0: Hey guys, welcome to our 80th episode. Today we are going to discuss a podcast we listened to, uh, where Morgan Housel, the author of the book The Psychology of Money, is interviewed, and then we're going to talk about doomers—really just negative people—and um, how difficult they are to to kind of be around and understand. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to Untucked, episode 80. This is Megan.
1: And Mike. And this is Jeff.
2: 85% – this probably won't shock you, but 85% of men, like, lose their hair by, like, age 70. Like, completely. They have some hair loss by the age of 70. Like, oh. 85%. Like, that, what, that, that's not going to surprise. 55% of women. I was kind of shocked by that number.
1: When you say lose their hair, you mean lose like – have Some sort of hair loss yeah i mean
2: yeah. 55% of women yeah yep. what causes why why do men lose their hair so much more than women <laughs> you didn't do any follow up
0: research i do no. know got <laughs> I,
2: I, oh I you know it was obvious oh. like testosterone is, a, uh, is the main yeah. driver for why men use lose their hair more than women so yeah.
0: having more testosterone leads to hair loss correct
2: i mean I, without getting into like testosterone affects another like yeah hormone thing. or something yeah like hormone that. in your body which that prevents hair growth
1: the endocrine system something Jeff. like that dude yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> i thought uh, so i was going to lead with the testosterone mm-hmm. but i thought that was just too obvious and the both of you were going to laugh at me no
1: no nope. all right
0: that wasn't necessarily fun cuz i don't
2: think hair loss is fun Okay, so w- can we talk <laughs> about this for a second? So all my no, no, facts no, no. have That's to be fine. fun, like literally it's fun. It's in you have the to- title. It's I, actually in the title. I mean,
0: I, I guess they don't have to be because if we go back to the tapes, they have. I mean,
1: otherwise been. we would just say we would call it facts, right? I,
2: th- I find them all fun,
1: but <laughs> okay. All right, we don't have <laughs> we a we lot got. of Philly. We sports. have. Oh my god, no, we have we so don't much don't Philly know, sports god. to talk about. God. No.
0: What are you talking there about? There has not been a large enough like time that has passed between the end of the Philly season. You to can't it's ma- I'm not
1: doing it. It's March. It's barely March, and you're talking about the Phillies. Is who's that not what we're excited? doing? Let me we have one listener who's excited, so <laughs> go ahead.
2: Let me ask you this. What do you think the Phillies will make it back to the World Series? No. no. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like that quickly?
1: Yep.
0: Dude, you know how difficult it is to do that two years in a row. This is no
1: dynasty. This is just a team that's like decent. March 2nd,
2: 143 in the (laughs) afternoon, 2023. I'm saying the Phillies are going to make it back to the World Series.
1: Okay. Okay. Timestamp it. We got it.
2: (laughs) I'm also saying the Eagles are going to make it back to the Super Bowl. Oh, my God.
0: Okay. Also, I don't agree with, but.
2: Just just a few predictions I'm throwing out way in advance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Sixers. Let me ask you something about the Sixers, I guess the man. Sixers, yeah. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Joe didn't play last night. He mm-hmm. played the Heat. Yeah. They destroyed them. Yeah. They're a different team without Joel Embiid. Yes.
0: What
2: are your thoughts on that statement? I'm not saying trade Joel Embiid. I'm just saying, like, of course. What are your thoughts on that statement that they're just a different team when he's not on the floor when maxi scores 27 points like what's going on why why is that i mean i i know why it is but why can't tobias and maxi and some of these other peripheral players be as consistent and as productive with joel on the floor
0: I mean, obvious, Like the style of play of Joel Embiid is very ball-dominant, right? So when you play with a guy who touches the ball as much as he does, who scores the ball as much as he does, like it is naturally going to mean less touches for the peripheral players. My issue is, and I believe it's coaching, is that there has been no attempt to combine – what we've seen as a, like a quicker pace of play without Joe and the dominance of Joe. We, it, it, they play one or the other, literally depending on whether or not Joel is in the game. Or I, I shouldn't say in the game, playing in that game. Because it's not like when Joe gets goes to the bench, the scheme changes. It's not like there's personnel changes in those moments to take advantage of the fact that they can play at a faster pace because Doc doesn't do that. And that's been the knock on Doc his entire career as a coach is that he makes zero adjustments. He lives and dies with the same scheme game after game, team after team, organization after organization. Like, to think that anybody who was pro-Doc expected a different outcome, they're
2: lying. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's... It frustrates me. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, so, frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm at the point where I don't need every single time down the court to run through Joe. I don't need him at the top of the key, you know, beyond the three-point line.
0: He's doing that less and less. That's boring. Okay.
2: Okay. But, like, give it, like, let Tobias make that play. Let Maxie make that play. Let Maxie stand at the three-point line and try to drive the hole because you're going to pull so much attention away. Like, it's 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 bothering me now because specifically after watching that game last time, just like oh my god, look at this team, dude.
0: Well, and and think about earlier in the season. Like this is probably the most evidence we have to support this in Doc and Joe's combined time in Philadelphia because Joe was hurt to start the year, and there were points when Harden was hurt. Like, and and the Sixers were running with what is now deemed like mostly like a sub lineup. And they they did pretty well. And a lot of it, again, had to do with pace of play, the freedom of the Maxis, the... I, I hate Tobias. I'm not going to give him any more credit because I don't think it matters for him. But, like, maybe any other player. I mean, Shake like, mattered for a couple of weeks there. Melton. Yeah, DeAnthony Melton. I mean, George Niang. Like, there's a lot of opportunity for these players to matter if the scheme is reflective of, like, both Joe on and Joe off the court. And it's just, it's not. Now, like, I, it's going to be tough to convince me that Joe should get less touches. I do believe, however, that when Joe is not in the game, which is a lot, like, he's a seven-foot physical dude. Like, he needs rest. If he's going to play, you know, into the playoffs, like, he can't play a ton of minutes a game. So, but I agree that when he comes off the floor, the scheme has to change. And it just – it never has.
2: I heard yesterday that the Sixers have made it past the second round of the playoffs one time in the last 38 years. Yeah. Mike.
0: And that would have been when they went to
2: 1985. The, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, was the last time they, they went. And then when they went was with AI and, yeah, and they, went, fine, they played the Lakers. Yeah. And, and the Flyers, I mean, they haven't been to a cup. Well, I guess they played the Blackhawks, but...
1: That's 10 years ago.
2: They haven't won anything
1: in, like, what, 50 years? When you say won anything, meaning winning the Stanley St- Cup? Yeah. Um, that would be 75 in the 70's or 5 or so. Yeah. 50 <clears throat> years ago. Dude,
2: mm-hmm. those two organizations, you got to turn it around, man.
1: Sixers? Yeah. Yeah. And Flyers?
2: Yeah. Sixers not making it past the second round in thirty-eight year once in thirty-eight years. Flyers not winning a cup in fifty?
1: That's worse than the Flyers. Because the Flyers have been pretty deep in the playoffs many times over those fifty years. But you gotta wick that and had a lot of success. The past ten the past ten years have been absolutely the worst in franchise history by far. It's disappointing. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah let's not talk about move on (laughs) talk about something else alright
0: um I mean we don't have any other sports
2: no I don't even want to talk about the Eagles you already did other than my prediction that they're gonna win (laughs) they're gonna win the Super Bowl next year
0: okay so we'll jump right into Coach's Corner let's do it um so for Coach's Corner we actually listened to a podcast so we're gonna talk about someone else's podcast on our podcast I love it um the podcast is Scott Galloway's the Prof G Pod And he interviewed Morgan Housel, who we've um, talked about a bunch. He's a writer that we we refer to often. And he recently wrote a book called The Psychology of Money. And the section of the pod that we're going to discuss today is um, their discussion on kind of the book, but I would say more generally like money.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a great listen for anyone between the ages of like 15 and 65. Yeah. Yeah. when it comes to how you think about and should behave and should interact with your money and your financial plan.
0: And I think that's always been what we've said about Morgan specifically, is his ability to make what feels maybe overwhelming and bigger, like topics like money, just really
2: commonsensical. I don't listen to him much at all.
0: I, but even when you read him. I, I read him? Yeah.
2: I liked him even more after listening to him. Yeah.
1: Well, he doesn't real. I don't think he has a. Um, I might be wrong. I don't think he he has a podcast. I bought the book. This is kind of why I brought this. Did you subject read subject up? I bought the book because I'm going to give it to my kids to read, and I haven't even read the book. Okay. But I know what's in it because it has a lot of stuff in it that he's written about yeah. before, and there's just like so many gems in there. So, and then when I saw he was on the Galloway podcast, I listened to it, and it's just like kind of the highlights he talks for yeah it's 20 or 30 minutes of of them talking about some of the highlights and there's just so many great uh, great like you said Jeff, common sense very articulate simple and really meaningful important stuff too it's not it's all like we're like our heads are nodding with everything he's saying it's
2: not which hedge fund should i aspire to invest in no i thought it was um We started doing this pod because we wanted to bring information to the public that we thought was relevant and should be something that they are paying attention to, rather than all the noise that our industry produces. This is like, I I couldn't be more adamant about if you are 30 years old, 20 years old, 60, like, listen to this podcast from minute 20 to 60, and buy his book and read it.
1: Yeah. I mean, a couple of things that I just jotted down from it that I thought was, was good was, he was making the point at the outset that a lot of people just hear finance or they think finance and they equate it's like math oh there's some equation that spits out a solution and that's what it is and couldn't be further from the truth it's behavior it's emotion and it's all the stuff that's not math and that's so spot on um and the stuff that we've been talking about forever too um and then one of the other things he brought up that i thought was interesting was that and it might have been Charlie Munger, who we referred to, who said this. And he's, he's talking about financial literacy with young people. And his point was, you know, maybe 10% of the population gets it as, as a young person. Like, get compounding. They get it. They don't have to be really taught. And they're on their way. Like, they, they can handle it themselves, in fact. They don't need help. The other 10% on the other side of the spectrum will never get it. They're the compulsive gamblers, the people that are just, you couldn't, you're never going to get through to them um, the important concepts. But the 80 or so percent in the middle, they're the people that need help and will be able to be helped. And and so I thought that was a really good way to think about it, Um, especially if you're one of the people trying to identify which one am I. Yeah.
2: I loved his analogy of this business to other businesses when he said um, you can't find a country bumpkin that can perform heart surgery <laughs> as well as a Harvard educated heart surgeon. You can buy an index fund and just put money into it every month and just continue and never look at it and just let it go. And there's a really good chance you might outperform like one of the best hedge funds in the in the world. and there's n- there's no other industry that you can kind of make that kind of statement with, which I thought was interesting. yeah.
0: I love how much and 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 Scott Galloway said it a bunch too. Like how much they remind us of luck.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah,
0: because it it is so easily lost on it. One of the statements that they made, and I'm, I'm gonna butcher the exact phrasing of it, but it was like, like nothing in in extreme times, good and bad, like it's not gonna last, right? Like nothing extremely good is likely gonna last. Nothing extremely bad is gonna last. But like luck is ultimately like where that shakes out for you and i think whether it's they talk about that luck they talk about when and where you're born being lucky mm-hmm. like it, it you can do everything else right but there there's some element of luck to everybody's lives and i just don't think we acknowledge that and not we generally like everybody we don't acknowledge that factor in our lives enough
2: i wrote it down as well <clears throat> over the past 10 to 15 years that's something that I've been had my eyes opened to more. Um, and I just I, I love that whole concept because I relate it to anytime, like, you read an article, you hear somebody talk, it's like, I'm self made. Like, you're not <laughs> self made, yeah. You got lucky at some point, you've hooked up with good people that have helped you. Like, you, no one is self made, yeah. You've gotten help and you've gotten lucky. Everyone, I mean, there's not one, you ask Jay-Z, you ask Warren Buffett, you ask any of these super, super successful people, Beyonce, whoever, they will, I guarantee you, 99% of them will say, "Just, I just got lucky, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I worked even... hard. Sure.
1: Yeah, And for the most part, you were born in this country, not right. Uganda or something, right? right? right. Like that's such this an important thing that people, most people don't ever really think too much about, which is you have no control over that. And, and the people that are born to start with in, let's say America, it doesn't have to be, but America is that's such a head start and all that. And so, and and he, a lot of this pod and maybe even the book is geared probably towards younger people with yeah. with the advice in terms of, and back to luck, like a lot of, let's say 20 somethings might make an investment and in, in Bitcoin and all that crap comes to mind, make an investment that does really well. It's a, you know, 10 X or something. And then they think they're, oh, this is easy. I'm so yeah. smart. And they inevitably will, you know, fail uh, because most of the time as you said that was just lucky. Yeah. Um, and on the other side if things go against you, it's uh, many often times it's just shit luck. It's not it's a, it's wrong place, wrong time or timing is wrong and just keep at it and keep at it and keep doing it the right way and it'll it'll all even out for you. So, you know, maybe captain obvious in in some of his stuff, but it's so not obvious when you think about what is talked about and written day to day to day to day it's not this it's not this stuff
0: i had a um a conversation with a client last night who has like a small i'll call it like play investment account and he's like i i don't want to do this anymore like it's not i'm not enjoying it like i used to and he's like but i'm curious if like i've outperformed the money that that you're managing and we're sitting here the 50 (laughs) minutes up until of this hour meeting like we were in cash flows, we were in retirement planning, we were talking about paying for college. Like the portfolio, the investments themselves like weren't even on the table. And he brings that up at like the, the 11th hour and I'm like, is this what you think is gonna make a difference? Like right. you think that you're $5,000, and it just listening to how Morgan just describes all of the the far more important things right then your $5,000 play account outperforming some other investment in the grand scheme of things. I was like I'm going to send this to this client tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, Mike, you had said like it it seems obvious. I mean, I think it's obvious to us cuz we 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 live in in this um kind of narrative or I mean, we believe it to our core. Yeah. Um but when he says when you do really well one year in investing, you you chalk that up to how smart you are. And then when it goes the other way and you do real poorly and you do very poorly, it's well I was just unlucky. I mean, that's how literally people think. They they, they pat yeah. themselves on the back when it goes their, their way and when and they think they're so smart. And when it doesn't go their way, it was some other factor that yeah, was the influence.
1: It's the Fed or it's yeah. whatever it is. That's right. not obvious right. to
2: most people. It's obvious to us because we live and breathe this every day. Um, the other point he made what I thought was really, really good was because uh, I don't know how much of a fan of like Robin Hood and all that he is. But, you know, obviously teach your kids, um, you know, some of the basics, some of the fundamentals, but also like let them do that stuff because mm-hmm. yeah. they're going to screw up. And rather than they screw up at 19 and 20 and 21 than when they're 45 and they have their kids 529 plan invested in some speculative cannabis company. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that was awesome advice. And let them skin their knees early when there's not a lot at stake, uh, when there's not a lot of other people that are responsible. I thought that was a great point. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And one other thing I wrote down is that, um, and I can't remember the context, but he was saying something around averages and how average never happens right Mar- like market returns right. it just never happens never 0% but yeah, you know, we always talk we talk a lot in terms of averages and but real life is extremes and the average is just something that like you calculate over time and that's not what anyone experiences on a short term basis and like every bull market is born out of a bear market and vice versa and like 100% of the time and it's so true um, and sometimes you just get lost or, or you, you don't remember to think of it in those terms it's just really simple points you know every
2: year is yeah. a volatile extreme
1: yeah like it was a
2: great point mm-hmm. I I also enjoyed how he was talking about how um, when he was getting to like the behavioral piece like it, it just doesn't matter how smart you are mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how brilliant or intelligent you are you are still very vulnerable. To making poor decisions based upon your behavior, mm-hmm. and he articulates it better than I ever can. Um, and it's obviously something that we base this business off of, like why we he- why we're here, why we exist, and we see it every day. I mean, we interact with really, really smart people. They're dumb sometimes <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, you know, they're like, "Oh, I just talked to my cousin who said that we should get out of the market." Like, what? What you, like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard and you're a really smart person mm-hmm. and we hear it all the time it's just it's 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 such a phenomenal point go Morgan <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well one of the things he talked about that can maybe segue into our next
2: article if you guys are good to
0: yeah. move on um, he's and now he's I've read this from him he says it he tweets it I mean this is like maybe one of his at least in my experience, one of the phrases I hear most often is save like a pessimist, invest like an optimist. And he talked about it in the pod, but our the article that we read was kind of about that mindset. And the term that um, they coin in this article is don't be a doomer. This is written by Noah Smith. It's on his like personal sub stack, so I don't even know how I came across
2: personal <laughs> substack it's like a blog okay yeah. wow <laughs> um, can you read that can you say that um, that one line again invest like, save
0: like a pessimist invest like an optimist can you
2: explain that to me
0: so save like things are awful and gonna get worse okay like you always need to save 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 live within your means I'm right? gonna lose
2: my job next month so if you just right. keep saying you're
0: gonna have a medical emergency the following year you're gonna need to spend X on a kid the following year but then invest like the world continues to innovate and create and companies get better over time.
2: Genius. So simple. So simple. <laughs> yeah. So simple.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, I, <laughs> I agree. But, I mean, again, as we know, people don't think that way. Right. And people think that they can, you know, based on the headlines or whatever it is, that, that that's going to be... Um, Something that they that needs to be reacted to and tactics employed to take advantage or avoid whatever that that's just human nature though. But it's so true. I mean, you're right. It's if you're and we say this all the time. Sometimes we say it to clients or prospects. Like if you're if you're a doomer, mm-hmm. if you're like you're probably not a good fit for us. Like you have to have that fundamental optimism in. You don't have to be like loving everything that's going on in the world. Sure. Right? I'm just saying, but but if you're one of those like perpetual like oh, oh the world you know, the world everything's going to shit, probably not a good good idea to work with um firm like us.
2: Yeah, we can. I mean for a lot of reasons. Yeah. I mean, number one, we I don't want to be surrounded by <laughs> right. people sure. that are just miserable and constantly come in and talk about how bad it is. That's right? yeah. it's miserable. I, I can't do anything about it. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it other than just, I don't know, buy an island somewhere and exist there by yourself, but there's nothing you can do about it. So you you have to have a positive attitude and be optimistic that the world will figure it out, right? COVID, world wars, like if we figure it out and advance and poverty becomes less and unemployment becomes less, I mean, it, that's just fact it's not made up so you have to be optimistic
1: so within the article though he's he kind of drilled down on some more specific stuff that's really in the headlines a lot with like with wealth inequality and things like that and you know a lot of people are focused on that and whining about it but they're neglecting to recognize how in absolute terms things are so much better than they've ever been on the whole planet right? Like poverty. Um, but it's still really bad. But there's still a big
2: gap. I mean, it's still, when you drill down and you walk through neighborhoods and you see it, like it's still bad. But
1: I'm, I'm saying something different. You know, every single measure, illiteracy, hunger, everything compared to what it was, even not that long ago, is phenomenally better. Right. So to me, it reminds me of the whole relative thing. Meaning like if you're doing much better yourself let's say financially professionally whatever but your neighbor is doing way better than you or is, is excel is winning even more you're not happy because right. you're comparing yourself to others and that's to me is what that that focus on the, the wealth inequality misses the mark and I'm not saying that it's not important but what's more important is in absolute terms is it, are people better off like are billions of people better off Hell yeah right so
2: and when it's never going to go away. I mean, there's always going to be poor and <clears throat> hunger and inequality. S- is but hopefully it's improving. Hopefully, it, hopefully it's getting better. Mm-hmm.
0: Which I mean, there's data to support the fact that it is right. And that was it, like, got, sorry, no, was I'm saying it. that's really the at the core of this article is that while things can seem bad, and to your point, Mike, like if you apps if you look at the absolute imp- like numbers. They might not feel good, but that doesn't mean that they haven't gotten better.
1: And and I get I get back to like, is is our goal here is to, to eliminate wealth inequality? Is that the goal? No. Because what if, you know, the the gap grows over time, but the, the whole thing is getting so much better and more prosperous and right. like that that's the goal, isn't it? And then who cares if the very, very rich get you know, richer as, as long as everybody else is doing better. Like, who cares? Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my... I'm on my soapbox on that, so I'm off.
2: <laughs> so I'm watching, like, The Last of Us. Yeah. And it's apocalyptic. so bad. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm, I don't. You're out. I'm in it. I'm, I I'm, mean, I'm it. I mean, I'm
0: in, but I don't... I'm not uh, enjoying uh, this it. This
2: isn't a Last of Us review. So <laughs> I didn't need both of your opinions <laughs> on it, but... Um, writers should be fired. <laughs> There's one episode where this guy is and it's not a spoiler like he has everything needed in in the event that there was this apocalypse generators food ammo fant- and he knows everything he knows electric electricity and plumbing like he knows everything carpentry he can yeah. do everything he's a superhero he's by himself like we know people we have clients people in our friend group that believe and are trying to prepare preppers. for that eventuality. They're preppers. Like, it, it, it always blows my mind. Like, okay, so we're going to spend time and energy worrying about this, which is probably not going to happen. And I'm not talking about a zombie apocalypse. I just right. mean, like, the internet goes down and, like, all hell breaks loose and, like, everyone spins off the planet. Like, then you're going to be hunkered down in your in your bunker by yourself, right. or with just your family—God forbid—like <laughs> you'd kill yourself. So why are we? Why are we worrying
1: about it? Why are we preparing for it? Why are there so many movies and books made about that scenario? Because people th- love to like think about. Or, I mean, that's like a really interesting scenario for a lot of people. I feel like that's part of it too. And it's fear—they're afraid it's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Like we
2: have I, – I know people that have cars that are not going to be affected by electric magnetic <laughs> pulse. What?
0: Yeah, I mean I don't know that I, I feel as strongly as you that it can't be worried about. Obviously like the apocalypse is not a concern of mine whatsoever in any version of it. Even the internet defaulting or whatever is not a concern of mine. But like – the Some, grid? What about the grid going down? I, I Okay. I'll, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I guess I'll deal with it or I won't. Like the other things mentioned in this article, like hunger, right? Like uh, like the, the wealth gap, like just generally, like those are things that I don't think we can completely dismiss as non-problems, right? So I don't want to like go so far as to say like, I know I personally don't have a ton of ability to impact those things, But I don't want to say that they don't deserve time, attention, and resources. Right? I'm not there. Right. Um, But I also think that it all has to be addressed in the context of things have gotten better and we want them to continue to get better. We can't go down these wormholes like the tweet that was focused on this article, which described it as... We're living in a late stage capitalist hellscape during an ongoing deadly pandemic with record wealth inequality, zero safe- social safety net, job security as climate change cooks the world. Like, holy dramatic. Can
2: you imagine like sitting in a bar talking to that With person? that
0: person, I I would want the apocalypse to start <laughs> right then if that's who I was sitting next to. So like, the, to me, it's like we're, we're too far on either end, right? We're somewhere where it's like, who gives a shit? Or we're like, this is the worst place to possibly be, and we just finished talking about all of the things Morgan said. Well, like, which I guess it's gospel according to Morgan, but like, there's literally no better time in the history of the world to be alive than today, and in America, no, no better time ever. <laughs> yeah, I should
2: have prepared it for today, but like, grab. Nick Murray, the beginning of every year, like he just rattles off all the stats mm-hmm. of how much the world is improving. And those stats, yep. like yeah. people living in poverty, hunger, like it's it's unbelievable. I wish there was a way to solve it. I wish there was a way. Sure. To, but um, yes, like you said, Meg, it's the best time in history to be alive.
0: Like, would you rather be alive during the Civil War so you're not in a late-stage capitalistic hellscape? Like, yeah,
2: No. No. No, thank you. I, I mean, I just – I can't get over how dumb I am from the standpoint of <laughs> some people are so good. Like, they came – it's so simple. I can't believe I didn't think of it. Doomer. Like, like coming off of like, bo- like playing off of boomer. Yeah, it's so simple. Like yeah. all these doomsayers, I just call them doomsayers. Like, how did I not think to call them doomers? It's so great. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is very fitting. <laughs> all right, anything else?
2: No. Maybe I just think I I'm think funnier than I am, and I should have thought of that.
0: Yeah, I don't think that not coming up with that is really an intelligence thing. (laughs) You're just not that funny. (laughs) Not even funny, like clever. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Top five? Sure. Top five songs featured in a movie. Correct. Or in a movie. Correct. Or from a movie. Correct. But does not have to be original to the movie. No, And doesn't have to be a full soundtrack. Like we're looking for specific songs. Doesn't have songs we're,
1: that were in
2: a movie. Whatever. Yeah. You know. I would say it has to be it has to be on the soundtrack.
0: Right. right and, but it doesn't have to be like the soundtrack of this movie no, in totality. No, right. Okay. No. Who wants to go first?
1: You look like a child at the I'll go first only, only because I did not love this category. Even really, though Jeff loves it. I love it. And <laughs> mine are mine are bad. Um, and they're old. So, so there's that. I'll start off with um, um. A tune from Pulp Fiction. What's it called? Son of a Preacher Man. Dusty Springfield. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just was fitting. Good good tune. What part There's of a the lot movie, of good ones in that What part one. of the movie was that? Oh, man. Now you're... Now you're. I don't know. I don't remember. I really don't. Okay. All right. No, no, no problem. I've got In the Same Vein from Reservoir Dogs, Stuck in the Middle with You, Steeler's Wheel. Was that the ear yeah, scene? Yeah, the ear scene. That's, cla- that's yeah. great. That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> Next, I've got... Um, this is not a good one at all, but I just um, – from the movie Wall Street, This Must Be the Place, Talking Heads.
2: What, what, what scene was that from?
1: It was like one of those I, – I feel like it was um, a transitional scene, like a compilation of, of stuff going on, okay. but it was just a good tune, good background <laughs> <Okay>. tune. <laughs> love a good um, transitional – Did you verify these were soundtracks?
2: <laughs> yeah, they are. Okay. They are. And oh, then oh I, I didn't verify. And then
1: I got um, from Ferris Bueller, Oh Yeah. that. Uh, that's a good one. one. Um, by Yella.
2: I believe that's like an actual song. It is. It is. Aren't
0: all of yours actual songs?
2: No, I didn't know that song yeah. was an oh, actual. Oh, like oh, he's on oh, the oh. bus and it's just going. Oh.
0: There were a couple yeah. you could have done from that.
1: I one. know. There's a lot, and then what my was the, yeah. What was what the was one? The
0: one. Twi- to the parade. Uh, is it twist? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then my last one is from Office Space: "Good to be a gangster when they're smashing the uh, fax machine." That's a good that. one. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay, Mike, you did good. All right, thanks. I, I thought it was okay. bad.
0: <laughs> Can I go? Yeah. Lose yourself.
1: I knew you were. A- gonna a- t- I knew you were going <laughs> to take that one. That was like a. I Light mean, I, I didn't put it on because it was. It seemed obvious.
0: Yeah. Um. This one also is probably pretty obvious. My heart will go on. Titanic.
2: Yeah, that's right. I did think about that one.
0: I actually thought of another Celine one, but I went with that one. Um, I will always love you, Whitney Houston. The Bodyguard. Song's like iconic. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I don't know if this counts because I've actually never seen the movie, but the song that he's playing in Say Anything when he has the like, no, boomba, it's called In Your Eyes. Yeah, it's
1: Pierre Gabriel Classic. Yeah. But I just,
0: I, like, i it's a classic scene, so I feel yeah, like it applied, yeah, even if one. I didn't know it. Um, and then I'm going to go with Hakuna Matata.
2: That's a good one. <laughs> Um, okay, so I mean, I just went with the two biggies, and now, did you guys have to do any research for this? Because mine were yeah. all off the top of my head.
0: I needed to do research. I had "Lose Yourself," "Hakuna Matata," and um, "My Heart Will Go On." Off the, top of, your off the head. top of my head, yeah,
2: yeah. So I'm a little angry because "I uh, Will Always Love You" from Bodyguard was was on mine, mm-hmm. uh, and it was like, dude, no one's gonna have this. Because but then when I I did research after I built my list. It's Like the first one, the yeah. <laughs> so I I went with the two the the two like haymakers, like Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz.
1: Hmm. Oh, so you're going like just classics? I mean, just yeah. like
2: the, the biggies, like the, the Mount Rushmores. I okay, mean, right? <laughs> uh, I the Tiger from Rocky. Mm-hmm. And then I just back down to like my personal favorites. So Gangster's Paradise from Dangerous Minds, Deep Cover from Deep Cover. Uh, and fight the power from do the right thing.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: a that's really a really good, good one. one. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We good? We good. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Till next ya.
0: time.